Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. One of my biggest goals and most profound goal for my children is to create a level of such effective and extraordinary normalcy that when they go out into the world and become adults and start to establish their own personal relationships, friendships, they go to their jobs, they start a business, whatever the case may be, that there is already a barometer of normalcy to them that anything that tries to conflict with the healthy version of what they were taught will automatically be piled and filed in the area of abnormalcy. I told my daughter one day, I said, I want you to be so healthy in your emotions, in your mental state, in your spiritual walk with God, in E or the above, that when someone comes to you with anything different, it's almost like you're walking in the house and you see a pet dolphin in the living room. I wanted to have the DJ scratch, wait a minute, what? Like if your brother doesn't scream at you, if you had never had a man scream at you, you've never been beat. Like there are certain things that we're implementing on purpose so that when someone else tries to come along with their foolishness, you like, uh, hold up, bro. <laughs> Cause what you doing? This is abnormal to me. No, this is not regular. You may have been screamed at in your house. You may have been hit this way. You may have been dealt with this way. But uh, in order to be a part of my world, you're going to have to come to the level of my normalcy. And I think that if more of us were raised in that light, oh my goodness, the level of just progressive movements forward that would be in all levels and areas of our life would just be extraordinary it will be astronomical I mean we would have nothing holding us back there will be nothing that needs to be adjusted there will be nothing that needs to be because what is happening for most of us is we're trying to get back to our manufacturer default we're trying to get back to the natural rhythm that God created us to most of us were forced to do things that we didn't want to do at times that we weren't didn't want to do it in ways that we would not have naturally chosen to do it. And it's because of the environments. It's because who we were raised around. It's because who we were, the leadership that we were under It's all these different things as we move forward and navigate through the world that literally shifted us outside of our normal alignment. And so now what we got to do is go back to the chiropractor of Jesus and say, listen, can you get me back to how you desired for me to be? Yeah, I know the Bible says that God has a plan for me, but it looked like everybody else had their own plan. So you shifted this way in that relationship because Buddy said that, you know, he's more attracted to people who are like this. So a little bit, you tried to be a little bit of what he wanted. And then you went ahead and uh, got to a job and they told you, you know, you got to have thick skin or, you you know, you when you get thrown under the bus, you have to react this way. And it wasn't natural to you. So you had to, again, deteriorate from the normal path of what you actually experience and how you filter through stuff. And then your family member said, oh, but you should respond this way. And so you're like, dang, okay. And so it was this to-do list, the kingdom scroll, if you will, from earth that is constantly sending signals back to your soul saying you need to shift you in order to continue to thrive here.
When in all actuality, that is so counterproductive that it doesn't make sense. There is nowhere else that you can do that but the human nature, the human species. It is nowhere else. You could not take, let's keep on with the dolphin. You could not take the dolphin and say, hey, I know that you're aligned to be in water. I know that you, you know, do all the tricks and you think this way and you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and you're the, probably one of the smartest in your area. But listen, we're going to change some things up. You know, new management, somebody feeling something a new kind of way. And we're going to start just, you know, we're going to put a leash on you and we're going to put you in the backyard. And we demand that you shift your alignment to match this external environment. Do you understand the protest that would be in your neighborhood? I'm, I'm talking about PETA. P-E-T-A, okay, I'm talking about Dolphins Anonymous. If it's not, then it would be. <laughs> I'm talking, they would be like, torture. Like, it would be, how dare you? <gasps> and it would just be this immense, like, oh, my gosh. You saw the East Coast, West Coast beef with um Tiger King and Carol Baskins? <laughs> That's not how you treat big cats. And you're treating them. Like, people really feel like, yo, you cannot Especially when it comes to animals in the arms of the angels. Had to do it. But literally, they don't want you to shift animals outside of their regulatory alignment. No. Imagine that we started putting um, elephants in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm talking about the SWAT team will be <laughs> fully locked and loaded because what you doing? It's even illegal to hunt certain species in the wrong time frame. Like, no, you're not. Uh-uh, we, mm-mm. The bald eagle is becoming extinct, if not already. So people have a rubby, like, there are some things that we have a sensitivity to because, no, it has to be in its natural habitat. No, you got to get it as close to, you know, as its home if you're going to do that. No, it is illegal to have a whole gorilla, sir, in your um, backyard. I don't care how much square footage you have, but that's not its natural habitat. So why is it so important that animals need to stick to their natural habitat? It's because we are aware and whether we admit it or not we are aware that if not your natural habitat you won't thrive and survive i don't care how much we feel but i really would like a dolphin in my backyard right so what you are doing is a threat to the dolphin surviving and thriving why don't we put fish uh why, why they not in the crate? <laughs> why we got to put them in, in water in a bowl? Because there are some natural things called gills, fins, if you will, that shows us, oh, you need to be in a different type of environment. You go to PetSmart or any pet store right now. Go ahead and get you a fish. They put it in a plastic bag. They will tell you, listen, there's a transition period before you just dump it into a tank. Like, leave it in this. Okay, for a cup, whatever the time frame that they tell you, then, you know, go ahead and put it in a bowl that you're going to put it in, but still leave it. They will give you a step by step of if you're going to take them from the natural habitat that we try to create for them in the store 
Cause we did, we did as best as we could to make it look like their natural habitat. So now that they're leaving their second kind of natural habitat to go into your home, this is the transition period. We as humans are so delicate with every other species except our own. And the saddest part of that is that we're more delicate with others than we are to ourselves. I have never seen a training class that asked, uh, how do you learn? Okay, is this speed, is this going well for you? Okay, um, this is how we kind of do things here. I want your feedback on how you feel about that. Does that align to, or am I just throwing you in group work and you loathe it? You've loathed it since high school. You don't do well with that. Like, has anyone checked in on you on the relationship and said, hey, how am I serving you? Like, do you feel like you're in a relationship or you feel like you're in a title, uh, that you got the title, but you're still just as lonely? Like, do you feel respected? Do you still feel valued? Do you feel honored? Like, am I doing a good job? Or is it constantly somebody telling you what you're not doing? And maybe if you did more of that and it's like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, we literally need to create a level of normalcy that all that external noise just starts to be just alarms of abnormalcy and a threat to our ability to survive and thrive. It shouldn't be either or. It should be both. Because if you're surviving, then that could mean you're in crisis mode. You're just trying to get from one day to the next. You can't even think about Friday when it's Monday. You just got to make it through Monday so you can at least say, okay, I got enough for Tuesday. Yeah, surviving is not enough. How you doing? I survived. I'm sorry. <laughs> that doesn't sound, nothing about that sounds like, yay, I'm so glad to hear that. Like, no. But if you're surviving, meaning you're, you're coasting through the things that are trying to bring you under your particular level of happiness, your particular level of just getting to the next level. Um, but that's minuscule because you're also thriving. Like, yeah, this job ain't it, but I got a plan. Oh, no, that relationship has absolutely run its course, but no worries. Uh, I'm being led and using my discernment on how to exit because when I exit this, it's going to be very red seed moment. Um, the person that I see, I will never see again. Yeah, I'm not going to the promised land looking over my shoulder. I don't believe that's what God has for me or for anyone else. So when I leave relationships, I want them to be left in a way that everybody's clear. There is no coming back. Yeah, I don't double back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not it. I have never seen where someone can leave something without God's leading and then have to go back. If that's the case, then God could have just moved the Israelites out of Egypt, fixed Egypt up real quick, you know, dethroned Pharaoh, said, hey, you know, you guys was with him, blah, 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 make the whole thing, wash it clean, wash it anew, and then was like, okay, now that I've done what I needed to do to Egypt, uh, Israelites go back. I've made it better. So the place that you actually were mistreated, the place that you actually were slaved, the place that you were actually crying out to me, no worry. I actually, am going to give that to you. That would have made logical sense. That would have been, Oh, maybe it's better now because that Pharaoh's not there. And you know, they, they switched up the colors in the palace now. And you know, we won't be slaves anymore. If God didn't decide to do that, then why do we do that in most of our lives? You think Buddy changed in two weeks? Why? 
Because he sent you a text message that he never really sent before, but did really, but didn't kind of, huh? What? Oh, okay. You thought after that one meeting that your boss was going to come in the next day or the next couple of months and just be totally changed. And now you sitting there like, bro, what was the point of us having that conversation if you were just going to carry on business as usual? I don't get it. Yeah, um, it's because when God does something new, uh, he salvages the parts that were not tainted. Noah. Okay, build this ark. Take take uh, a girl, boy, girl, boy of all species, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, we, I'm not playing this game with y'all. <laughs> like, not at all. Okay, and then y'all went ahead and messed that up, and Jesus was like, all right, listen, I'm just gonna go ahead and build many mansions for you in my father's house because this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, what y'all doing down here is absolutely, it, it's astounding. I can't even understand. But you know what? God bless y'all. I'm I'm a head back. Yeah, I'm going to head back because, um, wow. And, uh, yeah, y'all have a nice one. I think that it is uh, a contaminant to allow external situations and environments to shift and alter you to the point that you can't even recognize, yo, I think some of that is bleeding into me. Like, yo, did you always think that way? Or did you start thinking that way once you got that particular supervisor? Did you always view life and marriage and the things that mean something to you in that light? Or was that kind of infused by what old boy felt like? It's just a piece of paper. Like, did you feel like that in and of yourself? Or did someone have to convince you of their mindset? And so you adopted somebody else's mindset. And then you wonder why you getting headaches. Because that's not your prescription. The reason why you feel what you feel it's because you're looking through a lens that was not originally designed for you to be able to see comfortably through. You can see, but you're going to have to struggle. <laughs> you can see, but you're going to get them headaches with that. You can see, but uh, you actually are robbing yourself of your own vision. And, and I think if nothing at all, that's one of the one things that really pains me to see people at jobs. And it's like, why are you here? And it's either because it's the pay and they're not going to be able to find that anywhere else starting off or what have you in their minds. Like people have really excused abuse. People have really excused their level of so wait a minute. So you're conscious enough to say, this is not it. You're conscious enough to say, yeah, I need to leave. You're conscious enough to say that this is not feeding you. But for whatever the reason, you convince yourself to continually be adjusted out of alignment with God. Why? I remember seeing one person, I was like, if you could do anything no, not thinking about money, responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. What would you do? She said, I would, um, I would open up a bakery. And then when she showed me the cakes and stuff she was making, I'm talking cake boss level, like real life Spider-Man for three-year-old. I was like, yo, this is excellent. And when she started talking to me, about the cakes and how she's excited. Like, yo, it's almost like I seen a light shining in her. And I was like, so what are you doing? I'm getting goosebumps just now just thinking about it. I was like, so, so why are you here? She literally said because she has a house and she has bills. I said, okay. 
So what are your steps to getting out of here to do exactly that? She said, well, I know someone that actually has a bakery and they have been giving me their keys so I can kind of learn the ins and outs because I know how to bake, but I don't know how to run the business side of it. So I'm going to take their keys and open up, you know, here and there and kind of see what it's like to run a store or and, and, you know, all of that other stuff. And I was like, awesome. When are you going to start? She was like, I don't know, because I'm trying to do it around this work schedule. Yo, every turn, you're going to suffocate yourself like that? Every, I mean, God is literally opening up opportunities, and you're like, ah, but Pharaoh said, listen, some point you got to take a sick day. <laughs> At some point, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to cough real hard and be like, yep, that's it. I'm not going to be able to do it today. At some point, you just need to go ahead and step out at least a toe. You ain't got to put the whole foot, but do something. And I've realized, I said, I think that people are becoming scarily okay with losing themselves. And I don't know why that's gaining momentum and it's scaring me even the more because I'm like, what? We are not swapping freedom, passion, and dreams for stability in a job, an, a nine to five, whatever the schedule, and a salary amount. No, we're not. We are not going to go ahead and swap our vision for somebody else's, not even knowing that secretly what you just created was division. Because it's a divide in how you see life. It's a divide in how you want to go ahead and live your life. It is a divide. And where there is a divide, there is a divide in vision. Put it together, division. We are becoming too comfortable with asking ourselves to leave the chat of our lives. That should sound and feel as ridiculous as is being perceived. I cannot understand and I don't want to understand. And I want it to be abnormal. That no, when I go to jobs and I'm like, yo, how long y'all been doing A, B, and C? And I'm like, girl, let me tell you. I just, it's like, no, it's abnormal to me. And I say something. I go to who can actually make the decisions. I go to leadership. I go to management. And I'm like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. I, I'm not going to speak for nobody else. What I go ahead and do is I coined it that I'm going to go ahead and ride the wave of the new girl, new vision. So, hey, fresh eyes, this doesn't make any sense on why we do A, B, and C. Hey, this is too much for one person to actually do. Hey, why don't you go ahead and start doing this within the training classes because that was a struggle? Hey, have you ever thought about bringing up a template so that people can have actually have something to follow because this seems a little bit disorganized? Hey, let me explain something to you. You go ahead and look at my resume, my track record. I promise you I can point somewhere where I went to someone and was like, this doesn't make sense because... Because I cannot watch Pharaoh tell the Israelites, go ahead and build more brick with less straw and then I be okay. I can't do that. Even if it doesn't impact me, I have to say something. But when it does impact me, oh, definitely going to say something. And you know what I have heard 11 times out of 10? Either that's just the way that we've been doing it or I've said something before, but no one's doing anything. Okay, and so why we stopped at those two choices? What's the third option? Yeah, if enough people go ahead and say some stuff, if enough people leave in a way that's like, oh, that was unexpected. If enough people started rattling some snakes, then maybe they will be afraid to get bit. But what's happening now is that the rattlesnake has lost its power, has lost its vigor, and so nobody's moving. You'll move if nobody came today.
Why somebody got to do a walkout or a protest or something for the company to see, oh, we need to do something different. Y'all needed to do something different 10 decades ago. Okay. And, and that should be as clear as it possibly can be. But I do not understand how someone can be okay with losing in a way that the biggest prize, the most biggest deficit is losing yourself. How do you know you lost yourself? Because that wasn't your normal alignment. You didn't always see life that way. And I know that some things needed to be updated for you to go ahead and cope, but you were never supposed to cope to the point that it became your permanent characteristic. It was never supposed to get to that level. Why did you let these people shift you like that? And most importantly, what are you going to do to get back to your manufacturer default? I am over it because it is modern day slavery to me. It is anything that shackles and suffocates the way that God made you is a death threat to the God's plan for you. I cannot be a part of that. And that's why I'm so passionate about people's growth. That's why I'm so passionate about people seeing things for what it is. I'm not saying to go ahead and count everything terrible. The Bible says count it all joy, but I want you to see things at face value because if you cannot see that something is off, you will not be inclined to change any of that. Well, that's just the way such and such is cool, but they can't handle you like that no more. So what are we going to do to say, hey, I know that's usually how you talk to everybody else, but I don't respond well to that. I just ignore such and such. Okay, but why we can't ignore such and such, uh, why such and such can't ignore us? Like why we can't do it? Why does it always have to be that we have to do something to shift ourselves to cope with somebody else? No, you're going to have to cope with the fact that I don't do well with the way you do stuff. Like, when are we going to enter the chat in our own lives? No, it, no, you curse like that at work? Oh, okay. Well, when you're talking to me, I don't do well. Yeah, now I'm going to put you in the bind. You got to be different. Because you can't just bulldozically come into my life or any area that I have to share life with you and just decide this is who I am. Guess what? This is who I am. And now you and I are going to be doing a ditty meme, staring at each other until somebody decides how we're going to compromise. Either you need to go ahead and say, hey, listen, this is the part where I get disrespectful. And I say, oh, okay. And I pick up my stuff and I walk into the next room until you're done. And then when I enter the room again, then you're like, all right, so essentially this is what we came up with. Okay, cool. But just know if y'all serving, um, deer knuckles at this particular lunch and I can't eat that. So you want me to sit here and be fake and phony and try to act like, oh, okay, this is the best deer knuckles I've ever had. Like, no, I'm not doing that. What I will do is go, this is y'all lunch. I'm going to go ahead and take my lunch. We can eat in two different places and then we can come back on the stuff that we have to discuss, but I don't have to sit here in the midst of something that doesn't serve me and pretend like it does because it serves you. That's not fair. Somebody got to survive and I'm going to choose me. The end, bruh. Like, y'all, I'm not losing myself for y'all. I'm not, you, and what people don't understand is it takes so long to identify and, and find yourself. You are still learning you. You have never been the age that you're not currently at right now. You have never been in this part of life that's going to be in the next five to 10 years. There are some things about you that are going to shift and change. Your taste buds change every decade. There are things about you that are going to be 
forever evolving. Your stomach may be like, you know what? And now all of a sudden, I don't want to endure that no more. You're like, bro, you used to be four tough. Well, you know what? I'm done with the whole milk situation, okay? And it may or may, may not be coming from a place of, you know, personal whatever, but that's between me and the Lord. But there are going to be some things that shift automatically for you that you're not going to be able to ignore. You're not going to be like, well, you know what? You taking this milk. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? You in the bathroom going to have an intimate relationship. You cannot just blindly keep doing what you've been doing and not realizing I'm not shifting to the places and the mindsets and the practices that serve me best. Do not be okay with losing yourself in order to gain something or remain in somewhere that doesn't ultimately serve you. That is unfair. Why do you want to be the person that mistreats you the most? And you got to be around you and with you for the rest of your life. And you're the one that mismanages you the most. That's not fair. We're not going to put the burden on anybody else to treat us accordingly but ourselves. There will never be nobody that I expect to treat me in a certain way if I don't first do it for myself. You, you're bugging. You can have a nice day. I'll make myself have a nice day. And then I'm going to tell somebody else they can have one too. Because what I won't do is be my worst critic and expect somebody else to be my cheerleader. Bam, wrong. It don't work like that. We have got to get to a place that we start to realize no matter what it takes, I'm getting back to my manufacturer default. I'm going back to the chiropractor of Jesus and I'm saying, yo, the world did a number, but please shift and align me spiritually, mentally, and physically so that I can go ahead and be in alignment with you so that when I go back into the world, anything that ultimately tries to make me go back to that uncomfortable place, I will immediately hear a trigger, hear a indicator in my soul that will tell me, this ain't it chief I need you to get up out of here yeah this ain't it I need you to go ahead I need for your discomfort to be so loud that you're not okay with losing you no more you're not okay with somebody talking to you that way you're not okay with somebody just you know just fragilely and just irresponsibly managing you in their life it's like um I'm sorry it is clear to me that you're not clear of the value of me, but it's okay. I'm not even going to put no pressure on you to treat me differently. I'm going to just go ahead and place me somewhere else. Very, very, very simple. And when I think about the whole thing of being too comfortable and losing yourself and all these other kind of things, the only grandbaby that I can ever think of is Lot. So I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis 19. And I want, like, literally... You are going to see Lot in the way that you like, bruh, seriously? And, and he's very much serious, okay? So let's start at verse 1. You know I read from the NLT version. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. Two, my lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. Three, but Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. Four, but before they retired for the night, 
all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. Five, they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out here to us so we can have sex with them. Oh, six. This is getting, I'm sorry, six. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Seven, please, my brothers, he begged. Don't do such a wicked thing. Eight, look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests and under my protection. Nine, stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider. Now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged forward toward Lot to break down the door. Ten. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Eleven. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they gave up trying to get inside. Twelve. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. 13, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. 14, so Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. 15, at dawn the next morning, every time I read that, it irritates me. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Harry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you'll be swept away in the destruction of the city. 16, when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. Oh my gosh, I got to stop. It's too much. I was going to read the whole thing. I can't. I got to stop. You know how I know that all of this was outside of Lot's natural wiring? Because it is clear that he came from a house in a lineage of respect. The Bible starts off saying that when he saw the two angels, that he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. That means that Lot was saturated with the understanding of respect. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a grown man. And when he recognized, oh my goodness, these are angels. These are messengers of the Lord. He was like, "Uh, uh-uh, let me do what all due respect. Then secondly, when the angels tried to go ahead and say, you know what? No, we'll just stay out here and sleep like with the regulars. He insisted and made them a whole big meal and did all the things and blah, blah, blah. And as they ate. And so he was very clear. That was number two that, yo, I need to treat you with the utmost respect. I need to go ahead and be the hostess with the Moses and E or the above. The third thing was when it was knocking at the door, being disrespectful, trying to um do what shouldn't be done. When he went outside to go talk to them, he literally said his last statement was, but please leave these men alone for they are my guests and under my protection. So Lot was very clear about the order of how, what it takes not only to be the hostess with the Moses, but to show a deep reverence and respect for God and his angels. 
his messengers, right? It was like, yo, we got to handle this a little bit differently. But then there was also something in Lot that was clear that like, yo, you let this external environment like change you. Because sir, uh, even though that's the last thing you said, the first thing you said was, um, please, my brothers, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you. and You can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests and under my protection. I'm sorry, what did you say? Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them as you wish. I'm sorry, sir. This literally says in verse four, but before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. You was going to allow all your daughters to just be ran on like that, sir? I'm, I'm staring at lot. Hold on. Let me. Seriously? <laughs> wow. First of all, why was that not scary to you that all the king's horses and all the king's men, okay? Ain't no Humpty Dumpty here. What y'all doing? I'm sorry. Like, did we leave the, the, the porch on? Does it say welcome? Let me close this down real quick. Let me turn these lights off because y'all you got me twisted. You talk about unexpected guests. You talking about pop-up. Listen, how we doing my, you know, neck of the woods? You pop up, you're going you're gonna to get surprised because um, surprise guests get surprises. We not opening up this door. Who you talking to? I'm sorry. And that's just a car full of people. Can you imagine the entire subdivision times two? <laughs> the entire community is outside of your door talking about you doing something disrespectful to the people that you invited to your home. First of all, they didn't even want to come here. That's why Law was like, bro, come on, they under my protection. But that's one. It's all of y'all. So one lot, why did I didn't make you feel some kind of way? Like, Hey, what y'all do? Why y'all here? I would have popped off. Like you ain't got no slingshot. You need like what you need. Cause like y'all bugging. First of all, y'all came to the wrong porch at the wrong time. You finna see, see me. I don't care. Like we going windmill. I, I'm gonna be tired, but it's, it's the respect for me. Okay. That's number one. Number two, all the King's horses and all the King's men's are here. And you talking about, you going to bring your two daughters to get ran on like that. I, Sir, you said two virgin daughters, right? You said two virgin? So that means that they didn't have no experience. So you was about to give them an experience of a lifetime, literally? Sir, why that didn't make you feel some kind of way? Like, I'm a little nervous lot that that was normal to you. That was normal to you? To have people want to do something to your daughter. Like you didn't want them to do it to your guests, but you would like, you can go right ahead and do it to the daughters. Really? Lot, have you been in that situation before where a whole bunch of people was like, Yarrow, I want to see you about you. Like that's crazy. I don't, why is that normal? What happened that you shifted your level of normalcy that you just like, I mean, I live in Sodom and Gomorrah now, so I got to do what the ceremonials and Gomorrahs and whatever you call them do. Like, I got to do the things that they're doing. Why? Why? And what's even more baffling is that if you read a couple of chapters before Genesis 19, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah got raided. A Abraham found out about it and was like, I'm finna go get my, my nephew. And went ahead and made that happen. So the fact that you came back to something that was invaded, it's like, huh? You ain't put no ADT up? <laughs> like, what we doing? Where you at? 
I got plans. Like, don't say that. Like, I I can't. So to go back and be as comfortable as if you it never got raided, to be so comfortable having the whole village uh, at your house, I'm sure the square footage wasn't hitting for nothing, okay? And then number two, to be able to just be like, I'll take my daughters. It's like, bro, you changed, changed. Like, did you learn that from, from Abraham? Like, did your grandfather Nero taught, teach you that? Where did you see that? Nowhere but Sodom and Gomorrah. So you let that thing shift you, your perspective and your mindset to the point that you actually are being read and are appearing like it's unrecognizable. So literally to go furthermore, the angels are telling you, bro, you got to leave. And when you went out to go tell your daughter's fiancés, they thought it was a joke. So then you change your perspective because the next verse says, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. I'm sorry, you went to sleep after that? How are you so comfortable that you were like, yeah. Like, sir, you are living in the midst of a, like, it's too much going on for me. I would have been like, okay, whoo. I just wanted to make y'all a meal. This is a lot. <laughs> I think it would have been an overload for me. I would have had to meow, 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 meow. I would have had to sit down somewhere real quick. Like, this is a lot. I ain't going to hold you. This is a lot. And how were you comfortable sleeping? Because the angels went ahead and bolted the door, and they're blind. So I can imagine them making all the noises, and it probably sound like a whole, you know, crowd of, like, somebody going to a concert. So how were you able to sleep comfortably through all that? Then even the more, I guess the angels was like, yo, I don't want you taking nobody that's going to continue to change your perspective. So where it started out with Lot saying, like in verse 14, so Lot rushed out to his daughter's fiance's quick, let's get out of the city, blah, blah, blah. Um, 15, at dawn, the next morning, the angels became insistent. Harry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city 16 when lot still hesitated that that grandbaby i'll tell you what the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them out to safety outside the city for the lord was merciful whose hands are missing hmm let me go back to 14 so lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés Angels was like, I, right, since they are a part of the contamination to you obeying God, since they are a part of the contamination of you delaying what God said to do, they can't go. So now the angel says, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, get out right now. And because he hesitated again, the angels then grabbed his hand, the hand of his wife, his two daughters and rushed them out to safety. So step one of getting back to your natural alignment and not losing you is getting rid of anyone who makes you delay what God told you to do. That's step one. Step two, uh, stop being so comfortable in environments that even God is like, this is not it. I don't know how many more alarms needed to go off. Humpty Dumpty and all the king's horses and men are outside of the house, sir. They want to do nasty stuff to the guests that you're supposed to be protecting and feeding. You talking about giving your daughters away so they can have memories that will scar them for the rest of their lives. Okay, it's a lot going on. 
You, it's a, the angels is like, hurry up, get out. You go to sleep. Hmm. Yeah. Let's get out of environments that you clearly see that God is like, yeah, I, I gotta get you out of here. And you're like, okay, one more nap. I'm sorry. <laughs> one more nap. I don't want to sleep here. This is outrageous. I'm embarrassed. There's so much going on. We need to leave yesterday and I can't, I can't take no more. But you know what else? If you read a couple of verses down, uh, the angels told Lot, like, yo, uh, run for your life. Don't look back. Like, I don't just like keep going. Okay. And in verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following him and she turned into a pillar of salt. She should have been OG, you salty. But anyway, that's between her and the Lord. What happens to that? Well, what I perceive with that is she was also someone who held him in bondage because I do not believe that God is going to allow you to take someone to your promised land. If they were a part of you being comfortable in Egypt, I do not believe it. I believe that's the reason why God was like, ah, Joshua, you're going to have to take the people, but you know what? Everybody else who has something to say, y'all can't go. Mm -mm. because the promised land is supposed to be an indication of God's goodness, God's grace, God next level. God, you did it for me. Believers, it can't have no doubt in there. It can't have anything that would be contrary to what God said he was going to do and how God wants to operate within you and around you. And anyone that is counterproductive to that is a counterfeit to God's plan, period. And so it was like, yo, it started off with the chipping block of like, yo, you got to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Next step was, yo, you now you, your daughter's fiancés can't go. And third, it was like, yo, even if it's, the, uh, you know, your spouse, like, she got to go too. And I'm not at all telling any grandbaby to go ahead and, you know, end their situation and blah, blah, blah. But it is to the point that God is so serious about your growth that he's like, you cannot take with you who is counterfeit to who I'm trying to make you like God is literally changing you within the processes of a situation. He's not taking the long way just to take the long way. He's not taking the steps that he's taking with you that you're like, bro, I am exhausted. Like this is really stretching me. This is making me learn new things about me. This is making me acquire new skills. This is requiring for me to have a new mindset and perspective. He's not doing all that work within you for you to have somebody with you that is actually counterproductive to that. That is a threat to God's plan for your life. And the more comfortable that we get with being uncomfortable with losing ourselves, we'll start to see who needs to be eliminated from that. And for most of us, it's the external environments and the people that we decide to pair with. So my challenge to you is to truly look at your life in totality and see what is the counterfeit to God's perfect plan for my life. And then you need to go to God and ask him, what are the steps? What do I need to do? Because I'm getting back in alignment with God. And most important, I'll lose everything that's not for God, but I won't lose myself. Like God is trying to literally take me to the next level. And you're wondering why you're not getting there. And if you were to just start to assess around you, you think that you got associates and they're actually anchors. You're thinking that you got a boo thing and they're actually boo in a ghost form, <laughs> like scary. Okay. You don't even realize the subtlety and like, yo, they're changing you and you're literally losing yourself. Do you even realize it lot? 
the same man that will bow down with a grace and a respect and a reverence for God and all things that is him will be the same man that's like, eh, just take my two daughters, do what you want. That can't be the same person. Sir, are you losing yourself? And I think that that's, that's the craftiness of the enemy. It is so subtle. Eh, Eve, you won't surely die. You'll just be like God, knowing both good from evil. It's a subtlety, and you cannot afford to settlely settle in something that God never intended for you to be in the first place. Lot was never supposed to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. How do I know? Because God told Abram, leave your father's house, take nothing with you. You and your wife go. And he was like, cool, me, my wife, my nephew, let's go. So you bought him into something that it was, he was never a part of the plan. And then when y'all had that feud, you had to go ahead and separate from Lot. And in that separation, Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't have much of an option. What he was going to do, go back home? He's too far now. The Bible says that as Abram was getting rich and wealthy and cattle and all that other stuff, so was Lot. So he got all this stuff. Bro, you think he's going to struggle on and go that way? Like he got to choose whatever's in close proximity. So unfortunately, Lot is a byproduct of disobedience. He would have never had to lose all that because he would have never had to factor all that in in the first place. That is my challenge to you. I don't want us to get comfortable anymore. I don't want us to live another day. I don't want us to clock in another day. I don't want us to do anything and not progressively be aware of like, yo, this situation, this environment, this person, this perspective, this line of whatever, it's subtly changing me. And you know what? I didn't even know because there's no one around you that is actually holding up the mirror to you and asking, do you recognize yourself? Except God, except the Holy Spirit. Something feels off because it is off. Something don't feel right because it's not. Maybe God is <clears throat> getting your attention. He's putting all the, the indicators on your spiritual soul, your dashboard. And you're like, eh, I can go another couple of miles. You sure? Stop treating your soul like you would your car. Yeah, you can't go anywhere without you. And you actually can't survive anywhere without God. You literally, like, I just, I need that to be so serious to people. Like that, that bothers me beyond belief to the point that I could be on the phone for another 15 hours if you let me, but I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's going to have with you, but who your favorite home girl at this point, you should know the website by heart, www.created the number two multiply.com for all the things that are being all the things. And then the Patreon. Mm -hmm. For the text and blogging community. Yep. Patreon.com uh, backslash strive, the letter N, inspire. You have a website and a Patreon to not only go to, but to share with your friends. Like what the deacon has said, tell your friends to pull up. <laughs> like, you understand? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go because you got some evangelism to do. Mm -hmm. That's what it is when you share good, good news with people. Okay. Um, we'll talk later. Mm -hmm. Later. <laughs>